as we get started. Pentecost Sunday, you know, starting uh, or ending our half million mobilization, if you will. I hope we're not ending it. You know what I mean by that. Uh, our, uh, at least our journal over this time. But one of the things we are starting today, uh, don't you go far, Adrian, come back. Adrian, do not walk off, do not walk off. Brandon, and Carter, you can come too. I know why it's over in the kids' building, I'm assuming. Come on up here. Let, let me step down here. I'll step down, you can put that there. Come on, whichever way you're going. This way? Yeah. Come on around. Well, today is the first day of... I have a feeling a hurricane that's going to hit us, uh, <clears throat> and it's going to be good. It's going to be good. You know, we had been asked along the way, I think I've said this before, you know, did we have enough staff? I said, yeah, if we're going to keep doing what we're doing, but we didn't have enough to do what we need to be doing. Right. And God, I believe, has brought this team together, yeah. this team, and for us, and, and, and like I said, Wyatt's over in the kids' building, I'm assuming. Yeah. Is that right? Okay, so that's where he is this morning. But I just want to pray over them, and I hope you get a chance this morning to, to talk to them. Some of you may have when they were here a few weeks ago, but hopefully today you'll get that chance. And again, we're not sure what all it's going to look like, uh, but it's going to be moving, and we believe that. So we're just so thankful for it. But let me pray over them, and then we will get started on the message here. Lord, we come before you today thanking you for this awesome couple. Lord, just a few months ago, we really didn't know each other existed. <laughs> but Lord, you did. And you, you're the ones work, you're working behind the scenes when we don't know it. And Lord, you're using men like Pastor Doug Pierce and different ones to connect people along the way. But Lord, we come today not sure what all it looks like moving forward, but we're convinced that it's good. And so, Lord, we just pray that you give us discernment and wisdom as we begin to move forward with this couple. Lord, for Brandon and Adrian, we, we, it's evident the calling on their lives and the gifts and graces. But, Lord, how does that move this church forward also? And, Lord, as we're one but many, uh, Lord, we will see and we believe it's going to be beautiful. But, Lord, we thank you for Carter and Wyatt. Lord, we just thank you so much for their lives and, Lord, we're just so excited about getting to know them already, but them getting to be a part of us as time goes on, Lord. But, Lord, we just pray blessing over them as they adjust in so many ways to this new place and all the things that go with it, heat being one of them. And, Lord, we, again, we just thank you for this time. And, Lord, we are depending on you to give us direction in all of it. And, Lord, again, we pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Welcome again. Bless. As I said, we are at the kind of, like I said, I hate to say the end because that's not really correct, but we have been on a five-week, half-million mobilization in the Church of the Nazarene. Uh, the scripture I've been quoting the last few, few weeks, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God. Anybody need that? The peace of God, which will not make sense in the midst of it. <laughs> Why do you have that peace? Which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, gratitude. 
Do things come into your life that you have a hard time giving thanks for, but don't really know what all it may mean at that point, but God may use it in a powerful way, and you don't know it in the midst of it. Being thankful. So the half million mobilization, as as many of you know, uh, we've been praying for protection. We've been praying for direction. We've been praying for revelation. For renewal. And I love this. Renewal, an instant of resuming an activity or state after an interruption. I love this, Isaiah 40, 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. A resurgence, an increase or revival after a period of little activity, popularity, or occurrence. (laughs) A resurgence of the church of the Nazarene. A resurgence of the church, period. And we play our role in the midst of all that. That we're very focused and asking, and I love this, revelation. We, how many of you need, you don't just need some truth, you need divine truth. You don't just need somebody to give you some, a little bit of, of intellectual knowledge. You need wisdom. You need divine truth which guides you, which separates out. clutter you ever just get too much information (laughs) and go man I just need to know the truth here but what I need more than anything is revelation as we kind of close like I said the chapter of that we're starting a new one in our series in Romans and what I'm excited about through this is there's going to be uh, a multiple, those, multiple speakers on that this summer, and, and our team will be speaking through Romans, and I'm excited about that. I, hope, I know you will be too. I know you love the team that we have here, and, and uh, you know, you've heard me say often, a little bit of me goes a long ways in the sense that, you know, I, I, I think the style that I preach, sometimes there needs to be a a change of pace. <laughs> and so, but more than that, way more than that, is that God has graced us with anointed speakers and in in, in preachers and prophetic word in this church. And we are going to lean into that. So today, mind Romans 1 and 2. That's what I was assigned, if you will. And we're going to read two verses, which many of you know, which I'm going to camp out a little bit on today and hopefully uh, will be of help to us. Romans 1, 16 and 17, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. The righteous will live by faith. For I am not ashamed. You could read it, for I am not shamed. 
by the gospel. Shame. Shame is feeling, feeling bad about who we are. I don't know if it's Brene Brown, but one of them, that, that, somewhere along the way, says that shame leads to condemnation and continually points out what a, what a failure you are. Gives you guilt without a way out. Regret without a way out. Condemnation without a way out. Shame causes us to hide. Have you ever been ashamed of the gospel? And I know that's a tricky question. I know I think many of us many times have have struggled with the fact, man, I should have shared my faith with that person right there. And you walk away later and you go, man, but I'm not sure in those moments you were ashamed. You just wasn't sure if the timing was right. Now, have you ever been ashamed of how some Christians act? I think we can probably say yes to that. People we know, we go, man, that's bad. That, that, that is not helping anything. <laughs> have you ever been ashamed of how you acted? Somebody may have done that in traffic this week. I don't know. But being ashamed of the gospel, and being ashamed means I'm hiding it. I may still kind of believe in it, but I'm hiding But to, be, to live unashamed of the gospel means we proclaim it. But also it means we apply it to our lives and we show that we believe it. I don't mean by the changing of dress and that may be something in your life you need to do or it may not be just because you don't do certain things. It's not totally that. That there literally is a change that the gospel so dominates your life and is so integrated into your life that is as they said about Peter and, and, and John uh, after the, the, the Sanhedrin these guys have been with Jesus they've said about they've been with Jesus that it's so the fragrance and aroma of Christ is so much a part of your life that people have to say something is different there you know what will shame you Sin. And you can't understand the gospel without understanding sin. Because salvation from our sins is precisely what the gospel is. Jesus' name is God saves. If people don't know they are sinners in desperate need of God's grace for salvation, then it won't be clear when you present Jesus to them why they need him. Acts 2, I'm not going to read all of that. You can go read it uh, again on the day of Pentecost here, but Acts 2, Peter starts out, and I don't have the scripture up there, but Peter, one of the things he says in his first sermon, and Jesus actually did it in his first sermon also, he preached repentance. They asked him, brothers, what shall we? He asked the question, brothers, what shall we do? Repent. 
And repentance they're talking about here is not just a forgiveness, just saying, well, I was sorry about that and I need forgiveness. It literally meant a repentance where I was living here and now I'm turned going that way. This affected my life. It is not just the fact that I say a few words or I do a few things so I can get that cleared off. No, repentance literally meant I am turning the other way. what was so revolutionary about it when Peter preached it was and as we're concluding our one but many series as Peter was preaching it he was preaching something that was personal this is why it was revolutionary he wasn't just preaching we need to come year after year and make sacrifices he wasn't just coming, it's an ethnic thing or it's a historical, it's not just a family thing that we do this. Yeah, we do things as a family and we come together and as a country, we should be repenting. And there's, as churches, we should, there's a lot of things we should do. But what Peter is preaching though initially is it's personal. It's individual. So when we talk about I am not ashamed of the gospel, We've got to understand that sin is what makes us, shames us. The enemy shames us. And when we deal with sin, then we can live unashamed. But if we ignore sin, let's suppose for a moment all the things that we're dealing with I'm not saying, you know, but just suppose with me that I'm blaming other people for really has a lot more to do with repentance on my part. Because one of the things sin does is blame and hide. If I blame enough things, then I don't have to realize that I've committed serious offenses against a holy God. If I can just blame it on someone or my situation, and then I just go hide. The problem with hiding is that's the whole trick, right? Sin is trying to get us to hide, to shame us into hiding. And if you can't get us to hide, it'll cause us to blame. Or both. Repentance, confession, restitution, forgiveness. And I believe one reason a person will also repent his or her sins is when they understand God's goodness towards them. Romans 2, 4, I love this. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? The goodness of God. How do you get to the point where you're willing to repent? It's the goodness of God that draws you there. It's not the... 
He's up here going, oh, I'm just going to beat on you till you. No, it's the goodness of God that draws us to the point that we're willing to repent. In 2 Corinthians 2.10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regrets. But worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regrets. Well, some of you, leaves no regrets. God's goodness and what he has done for us should make us want to repent. Acts 3.19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Only the spirit that came on Pentecost And you've heard me say over and over here, I can speak fast. I can speak convincing at times maybe. But it is only the spirit that penetrates a person's heart. It's only the spirit that ultimately brings you face to face with what God is doing in your life. It's only the spirit that really in your, in either, either in, 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 in your most reflective times with him that brings you to a point to say, oh, this is who I am. Wow, okay. What's so awesome is when God brings us to the point for us to look and see who we really are, he doesn't just get us there and leave us. He gives us a way out. You know, when Jesus and the apostles and were going around preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. They were not preaching condemnation, condemnation. They were preaching freedom, freedom, freedom. Amen. Have you ever thanked God for showing you who you really are? I love what Oswald Chambers says. He said, conviction of sin is one of the rarest things that ever strikes a man. It is the threshold of an understanding of God. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit came, he would convict of sin. And when the Holy Spirit rouses the conscience and brings him to the, into the presence of God, it is not his relationship with men that bothers him, but his relationship with God. We can never do what only the Spirit can do. We cannot command the Spirit, but we can strive with the Spirit. We can try to give the best conditions, as we talk about often here, for the Spirit to do what only the Spirit can do. So we try to bring the gospel. We try to preach the word. We try to give enough illustrations. But we're smart enough to know, I can't convict you. It only is the spirit that brings you face to face. But what I do believe is when a person receives grace, 
then then alters their priorities in life to match God's agenda. It's only then does the good news become reality. I believe when God ignites that soul, there's this urgency of conviction. And one of the things is, is over time you will realize you no longer represent Kurt Gentry or whoever's name you put in there, your personal name, you represent the kingdom. For I am not ashamed. For I am not ashamed. But what keeps us shame is sin, so we have to make sure that this is such a critical part of it. For it is the power Notice Paul doesn't say the gospel has power. He said it is the power. P.T. Forsythe says, Forces says, the gospel is not a statement, nor doctrine, nor scheme, nor a promise. It is an act of power, an act of redemption, an eternal, perennial act of God in Christ. You know, today I was, uh, I get a, a blog email daily uh, from a certain person and I saw it today, and it said in, in a headline out of the top header, I think it said, if you're preaching today, you know, these fights. So I went in it, and I thought, okay, I am preaching today. So I thought, I normally don't look at it till like next week. But I thought, well, I'm preaching today, so I might want to look at it. And this is what it said. It's talking about Romans 1.16. Yep, it is. He said, the message about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is not just a message about God generically. It is the power of God unto salvation. This means by which God, the means by which God saves people, more so than your series brand or marketing ideas. (laughs) I like it when God does that. We can have all the slick stuff. And I'm glad we're so slick. Okay? And so cool. No, we're about to get cooler. We got Brandon and Adrian here. We will never, and if you see us doing it, exchange anything we're trying to do there for the gospel. Man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. However, sometimes man does look at the outside first. So how we wrap it, (laughs) how we present it, how we brand it, what series we're doing sometimes helps. But it doesn't have any power. (laughs) The power is the gospel. The word for power here, I love... Because it's the same word that he uses in Acts 1.8. For you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. To be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You shall receive power, dunamis power. Not the other, I think energy is the other one, but dunamis power. It's the same word, dynamite. Literally, where we get the word dynamite. You get the dynamite power. That's what the gospel is. 
You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Same power. To do what? Sit on the street corner and hope people show up. You shall, you will be my witnesses. Martyr, literally, is what that means there. Before you go too far with that, let's make sure we bring Romans 12, 1 and 2, which I'm not going to try to steal from, thanks to Dr. Dan preaching on that, but I'm going to steal a little bit of it right now. <laughs> Romans 12, 1. In view of God's mercies, brother, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto God. That is your reasonable act of worship. What I'm saying there is, when we talk about witness martyr, doesn't mean you will die for your faith, even though some have, obviously. I think it really means, are you willing to lay down your life as an offering and live for him? Right. I love, I'm a part of the Church of the Nazarene, as many of you know. We've talked about it five weeks ago, about, a little bit about the Church of the Nazarene. But one reason I absolutely love being a part of our denomination is because of, you've heard me say a thousand times, the radical optimism. There's almost no ceiling on what God can do in a person's life. We believe theologically it's backed up, not just experientially. But I also love our heritage. And I love the mission statement of the Los Angeles First Church of the Nazarene. That's where we started. Los Angeles, I know Pilot Point was in the early 1900s, but 1895 was the church, first church. Los Angeles First Church of the Nazarene, this is their mission statement. We seek the simplicity and the Pentecostal power of the primitive New Testament church. The field of labor to which we feel especially called is in the neglected quarters of the city and wherever else may be found wasted places and souls seeking pardon and cleansing from sin. This work we aim to do through the agency of city missions, evangelistic services, house-to-house visitation, caring for the poor, and comforting the dying. To this end, I love this. To this end, we strive personally to walk with God to incite others to do it. I hope my life lives in such a way that I am inciting others to do the same thing. Anybody ever been to a friend of chapel? You hang out with those folks, it will incite you. It will do something to you. We want to be a church like that. We want to be a people, one but many. We want to be individuals who do that. We want to be a church where we incite, incite, not riots, centers of fire, not arson. Got to do all my disclaimers. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. The gospel always comes with inherent power. But it, it depends, on, the effects depends on the hearer. Some people, you today, matter of fact, you're listening online. God bless you. So glad you're, you're, you're checking out or you're listening all the time. Thank you for that. But let me say this. <clears throat> Some hear the gospel as simply as words. Interesting. If you were like me at 16, 
perhaps even disturbing. When I was 17, I would hear it and go, man, every time I come here, I get under conviction. What's the best way to avoid that? Quit coming. And I did. Oh, that's interesting. I can talk to you about that. What you're saying there. Or, that's disturbing. Or, aren't you glad there's another or? What if you allow that gospel to penetrate your heart? I believe when that happens, the gospel explodes in your life. It begins to change everything. It begins to change how you see your day and how you go about things. It changes everything. And when you realize the power and authority you walk in has no rival because the God you serve has no rival, you will begin to act different. You'll begin to live different. And what's so awesome about true Christianity? We don't use that power that God gives us to lord it over others, manipulate others. We use that power to serve others to advance the kingdom. Like we said before, prayer back a few weeks ago, we're talking about Dallas Willard. Aren't you glad when we pray, we pray it with God, that we don't have the power to pray something and make it happen ourselves? I don't want you to have that kind of power, <laughs> and I don't need that kind of power. Where everything I pray about exact, happens exactly. I need God to be working that out. But I may bring it, or I will bring it, but it brings salvation to everyone who believes. Yes, Peter talks about in his first message on Pentecost, repentance, for sure. But before he talks about that, he doesn't even talk about, hey, the, what did y'all think of all the, the tongues? And what did y'all think of all the fire that fell? What did y'all think of all the wind that came? What did y'all think of all that? He doesn't even really talk about that. And we don't know that, because Luke, when he writes Acts 2, we don't really know. He probably gives, gives us the cliff notes, right? We don't know all that would, went on and all that Peter said for sure. But how we do know this, the first point that is made is that the Spirit was poured out on all flesh. No longer just prophets or rabbis, but sons and daughters. They would experience this outpouring of the Spirit, old and young. Not just the wealthy, even slaves. Men and women, women will have the same opportunity to know the fullness of the Spirit. The Christian church was the first institution in history to bring together on equal footing Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free, men and women. Now, are there times that we are ashamed of what some Christians or what things, or maybe even what I do, and I'm ashamed of it, and I've asked God to forgive me, or I'm ashamed of what other Christians do, but I will tell you this. The church, the Christian church, is the first one that ever did that. And it all came on Pentecost, if you will, the proclamation. Not just men and women, but also women would have the Spirit. Not just men, but also women. There is neither male nor female, Paul says in Galatians 3, for all, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. Amen. Nazarenes and the holiness movement of which we're a part of has always been recognized, has always recognized the spiritual equality of women. 
some of our earliest preachers and evangelists were women. We believe that Scripture, old and new, Old Testament and New Testament, recognizes women in leadership roles. Are there contextual scriptures that might limit women, for instance, in certain circumstances? Sure. But we believe it is society, contextually, that oppresses women, not Christ, the Bible, or the church. That's where we stand. What men and women, boys and girls, need everywhere is the ever-present Christ. One who speaks in the minds of men and women. Now. We need his presence. Peter promises it to us. But the righteous will live by faith. Where the Spirit's at work, its effects are undeniable, unmistakable. What does Jesus say to Nicodemus in John 3? Have you ever seen the wind? Oh, but you've seen the effects of the wind. It's undeniable. As we prayed this, sang this morning, sometimes it is really hard to sing whatever befall. But faith is trusting in God when he's not doing what I want him to do. <laughs> Ever been there? <laughs> I read this somewhere. I don't know who it was, but it says, God does not test your eye for his information. God's purpose for testing us is to let us know whether we really believe what we think we believe. For I am not ashamed. You mean in that circumstance? You mean under these, this, this situation I've got to deal with? It? I don't know how I got, why am I? Just letting you know, do you really believe what you think you believe? If you're going to live by faith, though, let me say this. I think this is a really important last thing I'll talk about here. If you're going to live by faith, in other words, unashamed of the gospel, you'd better learn to discount other people's opinions. Not to look at them as worthless, just discount them. And learn to live with the power and conviction of the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with our words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. I think one of the things we're missing so much in our church in our individual lives is not only the power of the Holy Spirit, but deep conviction. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. 
As we close, before we go into communion, I want to show a video that Brandon sent me a few weeks ago, just so you'll get a little taste of Brandon and Adrian, and uh, yeah, show that, and I'll come back up and lead us in communion.